countdown to the last comic shop in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hey, hey, it is now time for more of the last comic shop! Where we open the shop up to newbies in order to help them find the way under the comic book tent. And we keep the lights on for the oldies to help them level up by, you know, reading and talking about comic books. Yeah, because it's important. I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson, and I'm joined by J.A. Scott and Chad Smith. And on today's program, we've got one of the titans of the comic book industry, Jack the King Kirby. We're actually going to be doing one of his series in... Some people think it's like the linchpin of his whole fourth world thing that he had going on when he left Marvel and he went to DC in the early 70s, and that is New Gods. That's right. You may have noticed it's a new beginning for the show today, (laughs) and so why not bring on some New Gods as well? That's true. If you like the new beginning, by the way, leave us some comments. We want to hear what you think. It's not going anywhere. These guys fought me on putting that. I want more explosions. That's right. Few sounds. Laser beams. It's all good. It's it's similar to the this this week's book where it like harkens back to the epicness of the cosmos and something like that. Epic sounds of cosmos. Hello. Here's a kitty cat. So here, but in any case, on today's program, again, we're talking about New Gods. It's one of four books the Jack Kirby did when he jumped ship from Marvel in, in the late 60s into the early 70s, you know, as a result of kind of a little bit of a falling out with his creative partner, Stan Lee. For those folks that may not know the story, I think there was a, a lot of different, like, little moments during his time at Marvel, which probably added up to it. But the big one everybody talks about is, I guess, uh, Stan Lee did an interview with um, a magazine, and the guy basically said that Stan Lee had created everything. And Jack Jack Kirby took great offense to that, and and rightfully so, because he was a co-creator, co-plotter, and under the Marvel method, Jack Kirby had a lot to do with the creation of so many iconic Marvel characters that we all know and love. And not only did they uh, not give Kirby credit, but they also described him as like this workman, like foreman in a factory. It was not complimentary. And I think that was one of the final straws. Yeah. But um, for those folks that that may not know, uh, New Gods was actually a story that Jack Kirby was going to do during his run on the Mighty Thor. As you might have guessed, the notion of there being old gods and new gods actually is uh, wrapped up in the notion of Ragnarok and the rebirth. And so basically, uh, if you read the uh, his run on uh, the Mighty Thor, eventually he was going to have all the Asgardians, like, die or whatever, and big giant Ragnarok, and he was going to bring in the new gods, folks like Orion and... And these folks. So these were all supposed to be in some way, shape or form Marvel characters that he took over to DC. And again, with new gods and Mr. Miracle and the forever people and Jimmy, Jimmy Olsen. Olsen. (laughs) Darkseid's first appearances and Jimmy Olsen. (laughs) It's really weird, but that makes up his fourth world saga, which has become a linchpin of DC continuity. Like without this, you don't have one of the major 
major baddies of the entire DC universe at this time in Darkseid. Like, you don't have that. And so, guys, I know that I've kind of talked a lot about Jack Kirby's influence on not only Marvel, but on DC in this particular series. What are your particular thoughts of Jack the King Kirby? We'll start with J.A. Well, I mean, I loved his stuff at Marvel, his early stuff. Obviously, he uh, and Stan were integral in creating Galactus and the Silver Surfer. And that three-issue run in Fantastic Four, 48, 49, and 50, is just spectacular from the Kirby art to the Stan writing. It was, you know, a heavyweight comic book team putting out phenomenal work. I I think probably that's almost got to be the high point of his career, I would say. He's done a lot of other stuff since then that's been great, but that was, to me, the the high point. Later on in his life, uh, because of how he was mistreated at Marvel and then going to DC led him to request things that were not necessarily good for his legacy, but probably good for him himself in terms of like wanting that control. Uh, we'll get into this in New Gods a bit. I think he needs an editor. He's really good at some things and not so good at other things. Everyone is prone to bombast sometimes and, and feeling that uh, they're better than they are. Look at uh, Stan Lee's got that horrible NHL Guardians project, whatever that thing was called. And and, and Ravage, don't forget Ravage 2099. Yeah. Plenty of bad things have come, you know, from Stan Lee when when overreach. So I I, I feel like we need to talk about the the Kirby Chrome, the tops stuff he did at the end, the Kirby verse. Just great first issue with Bombast, where you've got a guy throwing a missile. Yeah, for, for me, as far as Jack Kirby goes, I, I really have come to Jack Kirby kind of secondhand. As when I started reading books, it was in the 90s, and I had all those people that had learned from Kirby and taken ideas from Kirby and, you know, melded a lot of those things. And so it wasn't until much later did I go back and find out, you know, how important he was and how great his stories were. And for me, I've always been a Spider-Man guy, and even if I'm, if I'm going to read older comics you know, dating back to the 60s, I love the Stanley, Steve Ditko, Spider-Man stuff. And so it wasn't until I picked up Kirby's Fantastic Four run and started reading some of that. I feel like the first couple of issues weren't my scene, but after around issue 20 or so, like Fantastic Four just picks up and doesn't stop. It's, you know, huge idea after huge idea after huge idea. And so reading through that was really exciting. And since then, as I've learned about the comic book industry, um, I go back to the comic book history of comics, which Jack Kirby was the main character in the comic book history of comics because he had done so much, whether it was creating Captain America for Marvel or working on Shazam or creating Green Arrow, you know, or then going back to Marvel for the Fantastic Four with Stan Lee, everything they were able to to create and accomplish there, uh, whether it was going to DC, and then after he's done with DC, going back to Marvel and doing a really celebrated Captain America run. It's taken me a while to appreciate Jack Kirby. It's hard to undersell how important he is in the, to the industry. And just there's so many ideas. And we'll talk about that with New Gods. So many ideas and so many things that happen in comics that don't happen if you don't have a Jack Kirby yeah, I'm going to echo both of your, your sentiments in the fact that, like, you know, I, I've always been a big 
fan of Jack Kirby. I, I've enjoyed his art since I was a little kid. I, I've, I've often talked on other shows about how one of my favorite runs of all time is like the first eight issues of the original Avengers, uh, which are the ones that Jack Kirby drew. Like eventually Don Heck takes over that series and it's, it's pretty good, but it's the ones that uh, Jack Kirby did when he's introducing, you know, the masters of evil and he's, or Kang the conqueror and his love of purple and, and green, green villains. Uh, it, it's just wonderful. It, and, and I mean, come on. He was the guy that created Dr. Doom. He's the guy that created Machine Man. He's the guy that created one of the folks I will be uh, recommending later in the show, Devil Dinosaur. These are all characters that I, I just love among like the tops of, of all the characters that exist in comics, even Captain America. I, you know, we talked about it on the Captain America show, like, you know, without, you know, Jack Kirby and, and uh, Joe Simon doing that series, you know, you don't have one of the linchpins of the Marvel Universe. In fact, you don't have the Marvel Universe at all if you don't have Jack Kirby. So you, you just but at the same time, I think to Jay's point, there's things that Jack Kirby does well and there are things that Jack Kirby does not do well. And I feel like on this particular program, I'm not going to be one of these guys that is afraid to say the emperor has no clothes at certain points. Uh, with Jack Kirby's mythology and legacy. Like, there's some things eh, he, he probably was best to stay away from or at least have somebody helping him out. But we'll get to that right after these commercial breaks. We'll finally get into our review of New God. So stay tuned for that. Hey everybody, this is Nerd Bomber here, one of the co-hosts of the Online Warriors podcast. Our weekly podcast started as a way for three friends to keep in touch and discuss their passion for movies, gaming, technology, and entertainment. And since then, we've grown into a fantastic online community. Every Wednesday, we release a new episode discussing the latest nerdy news, and then we go hands-on with our weekly adventures and a fun trivia show. Sound interesting? Check us out on every podcast platform, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts, or hit us up at onlinewarriorspodcast.com. Looking for a podcast all about nerddom? Want a podcast with an emphasis on representation? The Nerd Alternative is the podcast for you. Join me, Ram. Me, Hassan. And me, Levi. Three black British nerds tackling the pop culture we love and sharing why we love them. The Nerd Alternative, a sweet melting pot of all things nerdy. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for us to dissect the series known as The New God by Jack the King Kirby. And I, I will say that recently there was a tremendous trade that was put out. It's what I'm using as the basis for my uh, review. Um, they also did a Mr. Miracle version as well. I'm not sure if they came out with one, the Forever People, but it is a wonderful uh, trade that you can collect that not only gives you all 11 issues of the New God series uh, before it was canceled, uh, as well as Hunger Dogs, which was a original graphic novel that was put out by Jack Kirby in the early 80s uh, that was supposed to quote-unquote wrap all of the New Gods up, even though they really wouldn't let him because they needed the characters. But Chad, who helped Jack Kirby do New Gods? Most of it, the lion's share is Jack Kirby as he was the writer, he was the artist, he was the editor. He had inking assists from Vince Coletta. Uh, Mike Royer uh, did a lot of great work. Uh, D. Bruce Barry helped out on The Hunger Gods along with Greg Thigston. Okay. And uh, J.A., since this was your pick... 
Do you want to do the 10 cent synopsis? Yeah, nice how it's my pick. Basically, I said, <laughs> I want to do a DC book, guys. Do you have any suggestions? Oh, New Gods, New Gods. So suddenly it's New Gods is my choice foisted on me. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, hey, it's Jack Kirby. It's going to be great. I was really excited you picked New Gods. Thanks, dude. <laughs> I'm glad I picked it, too. So, uh, so basically, this is the original 11-issue run is an introduction to two planets of new gods, New Genesis and Apocalypse. Most people probably know Apocalypse uh, from the Superman's book. Uh, They are two planets that are polar opposites of each other, and they're in a war with each other. But this isn't a real war. It's like a WrestleMania war. Well, we'll send one person against one person, because why fight a war when you can just have lots of one-offs? And then halfway through, there's, like, rival gangs of humans on Earth, which (laughs) that I just didn't get. (laughs) It's not like they're gang members. Their gangs are filled up with, like, accountants. (laughs) And insurance folks? (laughs) And insurance salesmen. Insurance executive, yes. uh, Yes. And then, of course, there are all these different new god characters. Obviously, uh, we've got Darkseid, of course, is the big one. Uh, Orion, the son of Darkseid, uh, you get uh, all of the people from Apocalypse that we know and love today, like uh, Granny Goodness and Desaad and Steppenwolf. On the on the on the other side of things, you get people like uh, Mister Miracle and Light Ray. Shut and- up, Light Ray. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's a throwback to the Tom King series that came out two years ago now? Yeah. And and a whole bunch of other people that uh, levitate and move around the universe with the help of stupid stuff like skis or <laughs> exercise bikes. Or... So it's okay that he's silver and he has a surfboard, but when you're, you know, skis... That's that's different. No, no, we we can't we, we can't abide by that being surfboards work, skis not so much. You know why? Oh. Because you need poles. He had poles? So he can't do anything with his hands because he's gotta keep polling. <laughs> <laughs> and and here's my question. If you've got skis, okay, I get it if you're going downhill, but what if you're going cross country? Does that mean he's gotta like cross country ski across the sky? Oh, <laughs> cross country just... skiing is the worst. <laughs> This is kind of a hodgepodge of ideas. And and one of the things we were talking about before the show was, in, in addition to this series, I've also read Mr. Miracle. And I like Mr. Miracle a lot more than New Gods. And it's primarily because I feel like Mr. Miracle is much more focused. Or at least harkens back to things that Jack Kirby did at Marvel really well. When you read the uh, Mr. Miracle series, you get the main character of Scott Free, Mr. Miracle. You get his partner in Big Barda. You get his, you know, other partner in Oberon. And then every single issue, they just kind of wheel out another member of his rogues gallery who he defeats by the end of the issue. So it's like kind of like Spider-Man, you know, or Fantastic Four. But here's the kicker. And I agree with you. I, I I recently, after we finished this, I read some Mr. Miracle, too. And I think the biggest difference is Mr. Miracle has Oberon and he has Big Barda. Uh, you know, legend has it that Big Barda was based off of Jack Kirby's wife, Roz. I, I think it because it was based on his wife, it had a little bit more heart to it. Uh, the more I thought about New Gods, New Gods is a war story. And it's not so much about the heart or the character as much as it is about this incomprehensible war between these two sides 
and insurance executives. Yes. And alley lurking dark sides. I, I, I like the fact that you use the word incomprehensible because yes, at times that's, that's I, I couldn't understand why these super, super powerful beings were using humans as okay pawns. I get it, but it, it was is that an allegory to like Vietnam? I don't know. I mean, what the, it's just it didn't work for me, and I think this shows how hard it can be to do really good world building sometimes. And you look at sort of the Marvel universe. You know, it wasn't built from whole cloth it was built slowly over time you introduce one book then you introduce another book then you introduce another book and then you start to bring these books together and and have this shared universe instead this felt much more like what image did in the early 90s where they just threw a whole bunch of stuff at the wall let's do it all and then you know young blood not so well but spawn kind of stuck savage dragon kind of stuck so who do you think inspired all those image guys jack kirby when i was reading this that's what i felt this is like the jack kirby image and then you know you get some good ideas that stuck and some bad ideas like orion that thankfully didn't stick because I mean, he's got some interesting ideas, but he just, I don't know, the fact that he needs all these accoutrements to to do anything. (laughs) Well, I I will say this. I kept on snickering every single time. He was like, I got to ride on the Astroglide. I was like, oh, come on now. Got to slick yourself. You know what it reminded me of? Like, Oh, here comes Chuck Norris in his total gym again. (laughs) It's just... But that's the thing. I mean, to the point where it was like this was supposed to be a war story. They, He couldn't decide on exactly which part of the war he wanted to talk about. At the beginning, it's like Darkseid has infiltrated the Earth and has, like, agents or whatever. Oh, we got to figure out who the agents are. Here comes these Deep Six people that are mutating sea monsters. Okay, we'll spend a couple issues there. Then we'll tell the origin of the new gods, like, halfway through the story, which is like... Why wasn't that issue one? Like, I don't get that. And then we'll go back and we'll talk about Caliban, who's a kind of a cool character, and him fighting Orion. And then there's an issue with, like, there's a police commissioner or a police detective. Oh, terrible was- Turpin. <laughs> <laughs> was why that. is that issue there? That like, was Daredevil I'm- fighting Namor. <laughs> it was great. It was it was something. I don't know if it was great. I think the best panel in that is like classic Jack Kirby jump. Oh. He's holding like some sort of blaster machine gun. And I'm like, who is this dude? Why isn't he a superhero? Like he seems like cross between Nick Fury and J. Jonah Jameson. Like you can defend it, Chad, but it was a bunch of ideas thrown in the blender and gosh knows what came out. I will defend it. And I also totally agree. (laughs) (laughs) One, I I think this does harken back to, you know, how comics were made and that I'm not sure the new gods was a really well thought out plan as far as pacing goes. I just think he would do an issue and then he would do another issue and then whatever, let's do this now. And I won't lie. This was tough for me to read, like reading modern comics and going back to this. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Like this, it, it was a challenge. But the whole thing about Jack Kirby is, at least in my mind, he is an idea factory. As he's building this universe from the ground up, and he has things like mother boxes. We talked about the the black racer, uh, you know, who's this Vietnam vet who, you know, can't walk. He's a paraplegic. Now he becomes the black racer. You get Metron in the Mobius chair. You get Darkseid. 
you get Victor Lanza, insurance executive. You get the like the classic comic thing where they introduce characters like, and I'm Sally, what's her name? And I don't know what I'm doing here. The unifer the wall with the little hand that writes and gives advice. The high father, you get terrible turpin, you get calabac, boom tube. And some of it is biblical in nature, like the whole thing with the high father and dark side and they trade their sons. Like that's crazy pants, but it's just like a story out of the Bible, except not. Uh, it's, it, but like this takes place, you know, in that Vietnam era, and you have Jack Kirby, who's this World War II vet, and that's what I think the New Gods was about, as opposed to Mister Miracle, that was more about his relationship, or you know, it had that Roz factor in there. This was more about. Jack Kirby coming to grips with the fact that he wanted to be a pacifist, but at the same time, he was a World War II vet who had seen some stuff. And so when you get to the character of Orion, where Orion puts on this pretty face, but underneath, uh, he has hairy eyebrows. And even in that story, that we, we mentioned the glory boat, where... Uh, you know, they have the father and the son, and the son is the pacifist guy, and the father's, you know, all gung-ho on action. Even at some point, the pacifist gets in and, you know, starts fighting. And I, I think that was that was Jack Kirby trying to come to grips with that whole Vietnam era. Where and it's and like, generational that, divide, too. That's why I think the father and son works. And that's that's the high point of this book, I think, the, that issue six, issue seven, both oh, yeah. from an artistic standpoint, but also from a writing standpoint. My, I, you know, we mentioned it earlier. I think the biggest problem with this series was that it was just too much Kirby. <laughs> they needed an outside voice he needed an editor he could have they could have smoothed in some of these areas made it oh. a, a bit more streamlined and 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 well put together some of as we said it, i mean it's really 60s comic book writing came out in the 70s but it's really 60s you know classic silver age comic book writing it's each one of these issues is 48 pages long of like six to eight panels per page i mean it's a novel <laughs> So we talked a little bit about Orion and like ultimately Orion wants to sacrifice himself, you know, for new Genesis. He's going to do all these barbaric things, but it's in service of the greater good. You have that in contrast to Light Ray, who we talked about the generational stuff. He's like your naive, but also he's very understanding Light Ray. Is. I, I, I like that. But like I, looking through through that lens of, you know, Kirby coming to grips with living in a Vietnam era, being a vet, but wanting peace and trying to corral those two ideas I, I thought that part was interesting but to jay's point there's a reason why the best kirby stuff is made with collaborators with like people like stan lee or, or joe simon yeah you know sometimes we all need somebody to rein us in and you can tell where he goes off the rails but at the, at the same time the, the there's so much here there's so much spectacle there's so much great Jack Kirby art. Those two-page spreads are just insane. Uh, one with the god who's strapped yes. a meteor shooting through space. Like, that is batshit crazy. You know, the, the collages. There's so much here. My favorite sitcoms, they talk about, like, the joke-to-minute ratio. The idea-to-panel ratio in these New Gods books, it's just outstanding. It's, it's, it's astonishing how much he's able to cram in. And even though this was a bumpy ride, think about how much DC has coasted off this stuff ever since. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're going to get to this. Again, when he did Hunger Dogs uh, towards the end, he wanted to kill all these characters. 
Uh, he wanted to kill all the new gods. He wanted to destroy this and, and basically bring his story to an end. And, and, and DC said, no, no, no. Dark side is now like our major bad guy on the Super Friends. You're not getting rid of them. That's that's not what we want. We need to use these guys uh, for other means here, and 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 rightfully so. Again, Dark Side is other than probably Lex Luthor and Joker among like the number one villains that DC has. And in fact, Hi, for, they, for DC Universe, he's their Doctor Doom. He's the guy who fights everybody. And, and, and if it, it hadn't been for Darkseid, then you wouldn't have Thanos because basically Jim Starlin in issue 55 of Iron Man was like, I got to come up with a villain for one issue. Originally drew Metron or somebody that looked like Metron. And then his editor said, well, if you're going to rip off one of the new gods, at least rip off Darkseid. He drew, he drew him as, as kind of looking more like Darkseid. And we got Thanos. And Thanos is now, again, thanks to the MCU, arguably more important to the Marvel Universe than Doctor Doom at this point, because more people know who Thanos is. But no, yes. I, I will say this, that to Jay's point about world building and how hard it is, the good thing about New Gods is that there is one issue, at least for me, that stands out a bunch among the rest. You mentioned issue six. I think from a, you know, a, maybe a narrative perspective and an and, and artistic perspective, yeah, I can agree that that one's really good. But the best issue of this series is issue seven, which just tells you the whole backstory of the deal between High Father and Darkseid, how the war started, how Darkseid had manipulated events from the beginning, got Steppenwolf to kill uh, High Father's uh, wife just so that he could eventually seize power down the line. And if you want to talk about world building, I could have read that issue of New Gods and nothing else and thought Kirby was a genius because that issue was succinct. It told a good story from beginning to end. And by the end of it, I was like, I cared about all of the characters. It had a point. It almost felt like biblical at times. Like it, it told a very relatable story. The rest of the series is just a bunch of fights with a bunch of people that are running around and women saying, oh, look at Orion. I can tame that savage beast. Where's Orion going? And I'm just like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't. And maybe that's just me, but like issue seven, God, that was that was wonderful. And, and it exists off of Earth, talking about these cosmic epic storylines, and so you don't put it on Earth with insurance salesmen. That helps. Your dark side lurking in an alley was a weird thing. I was not ready for that. <laughs> right. It, it, it harkens back to all the great stuff Kirby was doing at Marvel just previously. We talked about issues uh, 48 through 50 of the Fantastic Four. But also, f people forget about the great stuff he was doing with the Mighty Thor, introducing characters like the High Evolutionary. And eventually, Thor teams up with Ego the Living Planet to stop Galactus. That all works because it's kind of like that cosmic side of stuff. And and he actually does that really well. It's like this all this other stuff. Like I I don't know. He just doesn't do that as well. And I think you had mentioned, Chad, that a lot of these stories and, and ideas were meant to I'm gonna create it and then somebody else runs with it. So I'll I'll be like the big world beater and then I'll just kind of edit these things and, and be the creative puppet master, but 
other people were meant to take over some of these books, and I think it didn't happen that way. Yeah, eventually it did. There's some some great people that eventually stepped in and wrote some stuff. I think Jerry Conway eventually wrote The Return of the New Gods in the late 70s. Uh, Steve Englehart eventually ended up on Mr. Miracle and gave us some good issues, as well as uh, Steve Gerber ended up on Mr. Miracle for a little while, which was kind of neat. If you can ever track down those issues that Steve Gerber did on Mr. Miracle, they're they're pretty good. Before we go to commercial break, the last thing I wanted to ask you is, what did you think of Hunger Dogs? Which, again, was released like a good decade after this original 11-issue run of uh, New Gods and bringing Jack Kirby back to kind of wrap up his story. I honestly thought it was the weakest part of this entire series i think they were kept on talking about the micro mark and i was like i i, I don't know what that is like i i, I, right. I, I it's not very thought out very well and i evidently there was a lot of again he wanted to kill all the characters and he had to go back into rewrites like a thousand times to eventually get to where we got but what did you what are your thoughts on that one i agree it was the weakest of the output there I, it helped after I, I went back and read some Mr. Miracle afterwards and saw some of the Hyman stuff, which made his character a little bit make a little bit more sense. But yeah, I, I think you got uh, the Hunger Dogs was more at the end of Jack Kirby's run as an effective artist. And just reading some of the stuff I've read about Jack Kirby, I know it's like his eyesight was starting to go, and it's definitely a lesser product only because it took a decade plus to happen. You know, all that energy. You know, it sort of dissipated, I guess. Yeah, I think it's age-old saying is that you should never go back. It's never as good as it was the first time. You can never recapture that spark. I just think it was sort of something that, not unlike New Gods, to me, it was foisted on him. (laughs) And then he was not allowed to do what he wanted to do with it as well. So he he was constrained and... I think that shows both in the storytelling and, you know, his later on in his life, the art doesn't hold up as well. The anchors aren't as good. And like a lot of that manic energy just isn't, right. isn't there. Yeah. It, it's missing the, 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 the Kirby crackle. You know, it's weird how like his original idea for n- new gods, either whether it was in the original series or with this hunger dogs was to like kill all the new gods characters. Like, Honestly, they only existed in terms of comic books like a microsecond. Like, these are like 10 issues, and you already want to kill these characters? Like, we haven't even had a chance to breathe with most of these characters. So, like, I, I don't know why he was like, yeah, let's just kill them. Let's get rid of them. Like, I, I actually agree with DC to be like, no, 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 hold on here. Like, we've, we've barely scratched the surface with some of these folks. Let other folks kind of work with these people i guess what are you talking about is jack kirby created a hundred characters like this he can create a hundred more <laughs> tell you but batshit baloney crazy story and kill them all and then move on to the next group uh i, I am gonna ask you chad how new gods compares to commandy <laughs> oh that's tough but we'll get to that right after these commercial breaks. So stay tuned for more of The Last Comic Shop. We'll have our rating. We're actually going to rate Jack Kirby's work. So stay tuned for that. I wonder how many people will piss off. <laughs> A lot. Need a podcast talking about weird stuff? 
Well, then we've got just the thing for you. Into the Weird, a podcast chronicling the madness and magnificence of the mighty Marvel Bronze Age of comics, featuring the voice talents of Mr. Billy Delicious. Hola. Mr. Herman Hellstrom Lowe. Hey there. And straight from the long box of darkness, his infernal majesty Dormammu. And many more. But wait a minute. You might be thinking, aren't all comics infused with a grain of weirdness? I mean, Reed Richards can stretch every single part of his body, right? And why did Ultron design the vision with working genitalia? Well, you would be correct. But Into the Weird isn't just any regular comic book show, folks. We focus on the really bizarre. Here are a few examples. A sword and sorcery barbarian grown spontaneously from a jar of peanut butter. A duck running for president of the United States. Benjamin Franklin playing hide the sausage with Doctor Strange's girlfriend, Clea. A giant-sized man-thing lamenting the death of a clown. A serial killer obsessed with killing only fools dressed as cavalier with laser guns after witnessing a priest fornicating. And so much more. So if you like the wonderful weirdness of the Bronze Age from 1970 to 1985, and characters such as Ghost Rider, Morbius, The Defenders, Man-Thing, Son of Satan, Skull the Slayer, Kill Raven, Howard the Duck, and the weird granddaddy of them all, Dr. Stephen Strange, then this is the show for you. ITW's on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and TuneIn. Hit subscribe and join us for a comic-filled jaunt into the weird. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our ratings, where we have the absolute audacity to piss off so many comic book fans throughout time and space by saying, hey, we're going to be somewhat critical of Jack Kirby's work on at least New Gods. Now, and I won't say I, there's plenty of Jack Kirby I love. Again, I love Machine Man. I love Fantastic Four. I love the Avengers. I love all kinds of stuff he created. I'm not sure I love New Gods, but we'll get to that in a second. We've got J.A. He's going to give us a rating scale for the New Gods. And what is that rating scale, J.A.? I can't wait to hear this sound effect. One out of four Kirby crackles. Ooh! Well, there it was. Uh, we'll go ahead and start off with you, J.A., since it is your book. It was your book right. this yes, week. Yes, yes. <laughs> Just make it sure was that everybody knows. on me. My book. That's the last time I say, well, gee, I want to read something DC. Do you guys have any suggestions? Well, we should read this, because then it's not my pick. It's your pick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go. I've gotta give it two, two Kirby crackles. Um, it's just too much stuff. You gotta wade through all the insurance salesmen and gods hiding in back alleys instead of acting like gods to get to the good stuff. Uh, and when you get to the good stuff, it's really, really good. Some of those panels are masterpieces. They belong hanging up in a museum. But in between, there's just some really dry writing, bad editing decisions. It's something I feel that has been held up as one of these great events by people who sort of, you know, are looking at the past with rose-tinted glasses. Oh. Hi. 
Chad, uh, how many Kirby crackles you given it? Okay, well, considering it from the historical context and wanting to hold it up with rose-tinted glasses, I would say a four. But then I actually read it, and that was hard. <laughs> and then I would say a two. And then I'm like, okay, it has to be somewhere in between. And there were those moments of just sheer like genius. And then, but there's also a lot of incomprehensible gobbledygook as well. And so I'm gonna say two and a half Kirby crackles at the end of the day for the new gods run, which ends with issue eleven with uh, Orion being like, "Once I get to Dark Side, this will be over." And then that doesn't happen for a decade. <laughs> and when it does happen, you get hunger dogs. Sounds like a really bad fast food chain for like Frankfurters. Right. Come down to Hungry Dogs, where you can get them with extra relish, onions, and all the works. Now, I- hot dog shop aside for the historical context, I think this is super important, but man, it's hard. It's hard to read. I don't know. Ah, go ahead. <laughs> well, I, you're right. Like, it's hard for me to say it, but again, I, I told you at the beginning of the show, I'm going to have moments where I say the Emperor has no clothes. And with New Gods, Jack Kirby has no clothes with this. Like, I think this is a 1.5. It's not even a 2. It's it's below that. And it's unfortunate because there was only, like, there was only really one issue I really loved. It was issue 7. But if you give me almost 400 pages worth of comic books and you tell me there's one good one... I'm sorry. Like I, I gotta, I call it how I see it, and I'm like, that's not a good series. That's a good issue, and maybe those are tremendous and belong up on the pedestal with other Jack Kirby work that I think is really good. But I've read a lot of Jack Kirby, and this is not his best work by a long shot. Mister Miracle is better than this. Machine Man's better than this. Devil Dinosaur, which will be my recommendation in just a few seconds, is better than this. Commandy is better than this. Fantastic Four Avengers, his Mighty Thor run is the best. That's one of the best books that Kirby wrote and co-plotted and all that stuff. Go read that. Don't read New Gods. Look at it for some pretty pictures. Don't read it. Read issue seven, maybe, if you need to have some sort of backstory and what happens with the New Gods. Everything else is... I don't know. It's just stuff. And so, yeah, it's a 1.5 because there's better stuff out there if you want to read good Kirby. Don't don't waste your time on this. That's just my my take. And you can find some of that better Kirby at your local comic book store with the other of our recommendations. Yep. So that's where we uh, recommend something similar, something recent, and something a little bit out of left field that you can hopefully pick up at your local comic book shop, be it in trade or in the buck bin. And uh, what do we got this week for something similar? Well, uh, as I mentioned previously, I uh, wanted to talk about Devil Dinosaur because I just love that series that Jack Kirby put out at Marvel in the mid-70s. Similar to New Gods in that it only had a very limited run. It only ran for nine issues. But unlike New Gods... It takes a really crazy, wonky concept of, like, this red dinosaur that runs around, like, some prehistoric place with um, a monkey sidekick on his back, beating up alien colonists and, I don't know, giant mutant ants and big other monsters. Like, it not only does it have some of that wonderful Jack Kirby two-page spread stuff, I mean, there's a cool 
two-page panel in issue four, which it kind of looks like it came out of somebody's 70s college dorm room with like just Kirby dots everywhere. Put a black light on it. It just looks wonderful. But the reason why Devil Dinosaur works so well is because it boils down this weird, crazy concept into something very simple. Devil Dinosaur plays out like somebody watching professional wrestling. That's all it is. Whether you watch professional wrestling in your life or maybe you've watched the Rocky movies or, or boxing or wrestling stories, take your choice. But it's really like just, just the story of a big red dinosaur basically fights everything who dares to question his rule in this weird little valley like he's the world champion. He's got the belt around, around his waist and most of the time his fights just involve stomping or kicking or giving the big boots to his opponents like some sort of finishing move. And he's, you know, at all times he's got Moon Boy, who's kind of like his valet or his manager or whatever. He kind of like sits there, he talks a lot of smack for the two of them, he pumps them up. He's like, oh, go get him, devil! You can beat him, devil! Crush his enemies and things like that. And afterwards, he makes sure that he's fed and well bathed and prepped for his next uh, fight against a random Triceratops or a giant Bigfoot kind of creation. For nine issues, it kind of goes on like that. And, you know, it's just a setup for the next fight and the next fight and the next fight. So if you like Godzilla movies, read Devil Dinosaur because it's like the comic book version of that. It's even better than the actual comic book version of Godzilla. So, yeah, you should check it out. That's I'm just imagining Devil Dinosaur trying to buckle the belt <laughs> <laughs> with the small arms. <laughs> That's why he's got Moon Boy. Opposable thumbs. Uh-huh. All right, I'll go next. Uh, my pick is going to be the something current, and this is something that came out uh, circa 2019. I actually picked it up mid-pandemic. I went into my comic shop, and I was like, I need something to buy to help my comic shop out because uh, they weren't putting new books out at the time, and I found Deceased by Tom Taylor and Trevor Hersine, uh was the main artist. And basically what happens and how it connects to what we were talking about today, it's all about dark side and the anti-life equation. But the problem is the anti-life equation gets corrupted. And instead of doing whatever the anti-life equation does, it turns people into zombies. Ah! And so it sounds really dumb. Okay. And it should be really dumb, but it isn't. Tom Taylor takes this zombie narrative throughout the course of the DC universe. And if you've heard us talk about Tom Taylor before, you know that he's one of those writers that just gets what makes characters work. And because it's sort of an Elseworlds-style tale, he's not bound by continuity. So, you know, characters are constantly dying. You're seeing relationships like the Ollie Queen, Dinah Lance relationship, the way that it should be. Um, uh, They followed up Deceased with... There was an un- unkillable series. There was a Hope at World's End, which is an online only, only thing. And then Dead Planet wrapped the series up last year. Uh, the whole thing from start to finish, Tom Taylor's the writer throughout. It's really solid, really great DC action. But it's somebody who's picking up those, those seeds that Jack Kirby planted uh, with the New Gods and the Anti-Life Equation and following it up with a really entertaining story, you know, when it has no right to, to be so. 
All right, and we got our out of left field from J.A. So, yeah, so my out of left field pick is a bit out of left field, and I had a look online. Some of it is available in trade. Most of it is not, so guaranteed to be in the buck bins, though. And this uh, came out of sort of the idea that we were talking about where Curry just threw all this stuff at the wall to see what would stick. Uh, instead of sort of a more natural progression to things, I'm going to recommend uh, the Cree scroll War, but not the original, which you can find in trade, which is the Avengers and has been pointed out, doesn't actually have a lot of war in it. No, I'm going to recommend the second Cree scroll War, which ran in Silver Surfer, starting in issue two, declared war in issue six exploded in issue 25 and concluded in issue 31 of volume 3 silver surfer so this is the 80s 90s silver surfer and what i love about it is just what i said it starts in issue two there's like one page where they give some inklings about you know the crees and the scrolls not getting long and something happening in palace intrigue and then in issue six there's an attack on an outpost somewhere that Silver Surfer happens to be near, and and you get that for a page or two, and then you're back to the main story of that issue. And this happens on and on and on, increasingly becoming more important to the storyline until you hit issue 25, and then it is the story. And from issue 25 to issue 31, it's just Silver Surfer and what's going on with Kree Scroll War, and this is after the Scrolls have lost their shape-shifting ability, and they're fighting the Krees, and the Krees, uh, you've got this whole idea of the pink Kree versus the blue Kree, and uh, it's a great, great storyline unfortunately has not been collected mostly in trades you can get the first 14 issues in a trade but after that you're going to have to go to, to buck bins uh it's from issue 15 to issue 31 that's ron lim came on the book so you get the original ron lim pencils so that's some really good art this led up to and then thanos returns and infinity gauntlet get the introduction of nova uh fire lords in it in between Earth, Galactus, I think Super Scroll shows up. You know, just some really good cosmic storylines that have come together naturally. And it feels like the build-up worked as opposed to just throwing it all at the wall and then having some insurance salesman fight out in, in the back alleys. Right. And plus, I think in that particular run, too, you get Silver Surfer doing battle with folks like... Uh, Grandmaster and like the the elders of the universe. Yeah, yeah, he goes up against the elders of the universe. You get uh, Mantis comes and goes. I, a lot of people die now that I think about it. There's <laughs> Silver Surfer is not so gleaming in this. It comes out he comes out a beaten man, which is nice because that builds up then to sort of his epic failure in Infinity Gauntlet. Yes, and it's much better than New Gods because having a surfboard in outer space versus ski poles makes sense. Makes ski poles sense. not so much, <laughs> right? This is the it big looks thing. Cool. You yeah, if you're if you're catching a wave, a cosmic wave, it's a lot better than you know cross country skiing across the cosmos. Get your skis shined up, stick a juicy fruit. Now, right. now, if he was skiing on one ski, <laughs> that was wider. You know, if no. it looked more like a surfboard, it would be... No, no, no. no you, you totally didn't get my... He's skiing on one ski! 
better off dead. Uh, yeah, I haven't yeah. seen that one. In oh, years. classic. Fraunch fries. Fraunch dressing. <laughs> well, one thing that's not fraunch very much is our website, www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. It's a terrific place where you can find links to all the places where you can rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast weekly. That includes places like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon Podcasts, iHeartRadio, CastBox, and a variety of other places. And if you love our show, help us out with a review. Because we really, really love to hear from our fans and how much our show helps them find those comic books that will give them hours and hours of quality reading time. Okay, and you can also find us on social media if you want to continue that conversation. You can find links, obviously, on our website, but uh, on Twitter and Instagram, we are at Last Comic Shop. On Facebook, we are at Last Comic Shop Podcast. And also on our website, you'll find links to our merch store, where this week we've got specials on purple and green t-shirts, so you can be your favorite Jack Kirby villain. (laughs) It's true. There were so many of them. But I thought you were going to talk about our fantastic skis. Last Comic Shop skis, make sure that you get around the cosmos in style. All right, and while we may be the last comic shop podcast, there are probably plenty of comic shops still around near you, which you can find at www.comicshoplocator.com, where you can go find that shop. And then maybe they'll have buck bins with silver surfer issues with the second Kree scroll war. Maybe they'll have double dinosaur. Maybe they'll have deceased. Or maybe you can find a nice Jack Kirby collection and appreciate all there is to appreciate in the new gods. That's true. And until next time, I was the host of the most day, Larson. I was joined by Chad Smith and J.A. Scott. And as always, stay safe, stay sheltered. And if you happen to find that one math book that includes the anti-life equation, throw it away. I, I don't even know why they would have printed that. Anti-life, that just sounds bad. Anti- Unless you're an insurance salesman. In which case, save it because you never know when you need it in for your gang. There you go, intergang. You could have anti-life specials. Anti-life discounts. Anti-life insurance. Make sure you bundle your anti-life. <laughs> with, the, with your car insurance. With boat insurance and ski insurance. Yeah, no, it was weird. The last comic shop was a 2021 Black Angus production.